Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast. I'm Chad Simpson, and I'm joined by my co-host, Gian Lemmy. Hey, Chad. How's it going? Hey, we're doing well today. The, uh, in this interview with Chris Young, you talked a little bit about your recruiting battle, and, and I don't know if you'd call it a battle, but the recruiting journey in Spain. Can you share what that was like? That was uh, such a unique experience because now as Liberty starts to grow in the rankings, now we get to compete with big name schools on a regular basis. And when I saw that he was in Spain there at the same time as me, I was at first a little scared because he has such a great reputation, not because of his results on the tennis court, but off the court too. Um, and it was just a unique experience to, to be near him for such a long period of time in a foreign country and see how he's actually one of the most humble coaches out there, even though he's accomplished so much, like making it to the NCAA finals one year and made it to so many sweet 16s. And he, even before Oklahoma state, he went to Wichita state and brought him up from the bottom of the rankings all the way to the top before leaving. What a, what a build. And uh, just leading into this interview, uh, what did you really enjoy? I really, enjoyed the the fact that you could feel the his love for his players that yeah you know he didn't use his players just to win tennis matches he really wanted to make a difference in their lives I agree. Um, and there were so many so many other topics including what he looks for in an assistant coach that was really unique and i can't wait you guys to hear his answer for that question and many others well let's let's hear it now Well, Coach Chris Young, thank you so much for being a part of the Christian Coach Podcast. Um, we like to start every interview with the question, what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? You know, for me, I don't really um, think of it any differently. I just think that it's, it's who I am. And as a coach, I think it's really important to be very authentic and be who you are. And so, um, you know, my faith is an important part of who I am. And so as a coach, I just want to be a role model to the players of being very authentic and authentic and true to yourself. And, you know, obviously, um, you know, as a Christian coach, you have certain values that are important to you. And I think those are values that no matter what the belief system of my players is, those are values that are going to help them for the rest of their life. And hopefully they see a positive person in me and, and someone who can be a positive uh, change in their life at times. That's, that's good. I think that Christian values can permeate secular society the same way and have the same impact. Right. Um, you you went to college at Oklahoma Christian, and now you are at Oklahoma State. Can you bridge the gap between those two stages of your life, and how did you end up at Oklahoma State? Yeah, you know, I, I grew up in Oklahoma. I was born in, in Oklahoma and um, spent a lot of time here. I actually went to school at Lipscomb University my freshman year, and then they decided to make the transition to Division One and so, um, you know, without being able to play postseason and, and kind of going through that transition, came back home and finished up at, at Oklahoma Christian and <clears throat> had a really good experience there with, with tennis. And it's kind of interesting that uh, five of the six guys that were on my team my junior and senior year went on to be Division One head coaches. Sam Winterbottom at Tennessee, uh, I think a lot of people might know about. Dan Nelson, who's been around at Southern Illinois and um, now is at Rio Grande uh, Valley, and Luciano Battaglini was uh, at one point at Minnesota, and, and uh, he and I actually competed against each other as high school students. Um, so he's he's a Brazilian, so you might uh, uh, have to look him up sometime. But um, so came to Oklahoma Christian, and I think we all just had a really good experience. 
being there and, and many of us went out into coaching and I stayed and began coaching there. And in my second year, our head coach uh, had colon cancer. And so I, I took over both men and women. Um, so being the assistant for men and women and then took over both programs alone um, for the period of time where he underwent treatment and then he came back. But just kind of getting thrown into the fire right away. And um, part of, you know, a really successful program there. We won a national championship with the men in 2003. And then uh, at the end of the 2004 season, I went to Wichita State and um, was hired originally as the women's coach. But after six months, the men's coach left and in November. And so then I became the director of tennis and head coach of men and women at Wichita State and was there through 2009. And then uh, in 2009, uh, in August, right before the season started, came to Oklahoma State and uh, beginning my 12th year here this year. Wow. Um, what a journey. And it's neat about all the teammates becoming head coaches. What do you think, what do you think was in that group of guys that made them all want to become head coaches? You know, I think one is we all love tennis. You know, it was like one of those things. We love being around the sport and, and uh, you know, everybody's still now involved in tennis, whether they're still coaching or some are, you know, teaching, teaching privately or doing things, but everyone's still involved in tennis. I think we just love tennis. We love competing. I think we all had a, a good experience with coaches and people that are around us in our lives that made an impact and made a difference. And we wanted to stay in tennis and wanted to be able to possibly have that same impact. So I think that's, you know, a lot of times with coaching, people get inspired because people made a difference in their life and they impacted them. And they think, wow, if I could only do that to one other person, um, that could really make a difference. And I think that's what we all want to do in society and in life and in the world, if we can make a difference in the life of one person. But as a coach, you get to touch so many people on a daily basis and impact these kids during a four-year period of their life where they're so influential, they're so, um, you know, in a stage of transition because they're becoming adults. They're They're starting to make their own decisions more and more than, than they ever had before in their life. And so, I think it's really important that they have mentors and examples and influences in their life that they can count on and people that will lead them in the right direction. And um, not everybody is looking for that, you know, on every single team, but the kids that are, you know, hopefully as a coach, you can provide that. Yeah. Um, good thing you talked you talked about making an impact on your lives. Um, as you know, I also know Maria Alvarez. Now she works with recruiting and everything in uh, Spain. She was one of your players and uh, graduated 2016. Right. Um, and you guys made it to the finals of uh, NCAAs together. Um, right. I actually asked her to send you a message and um, just sharing how much uh, you impacted her life. So I'm going to play it for you. Is that okay? Sure. Uh, he's a really special person for me, not only because he was my coach over four years at Oklahoma State. Uh, that was, of course, a uh, really, really good state of my life. I mean, I think uh, I got lucky and I, I went through many teams that were amazing. And of course, um, Chris was uh, the one that has the fault for it. And he really helped us to become a little family over the years. And he put his values on the team. And I mean, it's day. We did normal things like many teams do, but you know, he really cared for us and put a lot of work into it. And, and you could see that he was 
every day pushing everyone to do things better because he knew that we could do it. We could do that, right? So I think that's something that I, I really value. And I mean, up to this day, um, I consider him a mentor more than, you know, my former collegiate coach. And I always ask him for, for any opinion about any of my new projects here because I really think that he's gonna continue to push in me to do better and that he's gonna help me in any way that he can. And I really, really appreciate to have someone like him all my life. And I mean, right now I just hope that I can travel anytime soon to the States and I get to see him, the family go back to Stillwater. Um, but of course, if that is not possible now, we have to wait. And of course, we can talk over the phone and anytime that you want, Chris. I know you're a busy coach, but um, you know, you can come here to Spain as well. Uh, you have here a home. So yeah, I hope everything goes well. And let me again, good luck with your podcast. And well, keep in touch, you both. Bye. Yeah, so it's it's very neat. I think that's why we all coach, you know, to make that impact. Winning tennis matches is great, but yeah, you know, Maria was somebody that um, I think she grew a lot as a person. Um, you know, she we used to give her a hard time about, um, you know, when she first came, she would just lose everything. You know, she wasn't very organized, and um, you know, it was just that was something being on her own and and having to organize things herself. And you know, one of the things that it's really important to me that the kids take responsibility and ownership of all aspects of their life. And as they first come to school, they're used to someone doing it for them, either a coach or a parent or an academy or something they're a part of where people tell them, you just need to be here and you need to do these things and just show up and everything's done for you. And I think that sometimes that uh, enables kids to um, rely too much on others and not themselves. And I think one of the things that Maria became as a very independent woman and that's what i'm most proud of her and you see that she's very independent now with starting her own company at a young age and trying to do things and just have the courage to branch out from you know what she was doing to seeing a need and to try to do that and that's a, a long way from where she was when she showed up here at 18 years old to have the confidence to do that and you know quite frankly um, she was a catalyst for changing our program when she came into the program in 2013-14 you know, we were just making the NCAA tournament, but not really, you know, much had, had happened to her senior year. We made the finals and, you know, she was a part of the number one doubles team. Uh, and even in the finals, they defeated the number five team in the country to clinch the doubles point for us against Stanford. And so Maria did so much for, for our team. And um, it warms my heart to hear messages from former players and the impact that we have. And, you know, as a coach, sometimes you don't really um, – always know those things you just um, you know you hope that you're you're making an impact and a lot of times as a coach the challenge for coaching I think is in the you know everyday walk of coaching you know you don't really get that feedback uh, most of the time it's not till years later that kids realize what you've done and so if you're somebody that likes instant gratification or you know things to come quickly as a coach I think it's um difficult to do that because the value of coaching doesn't come till years down the road. Yeah. She mentioned also how you instilled your values 
within, you know, within the program. Can you share with us about those values? What, what are those? What are the guiding principles of your program? Yeah, so we, you know, we have some core values within our program. Actually, we have um, t-shirts now that the girls practice in, and we kind of have the OSU as an acrostic going down, but it's, um, you know, accountability, and, uh, you know, is a big thing for me is just being accountable to your, to your actions. And um, then we have, um, well, actually, I'll show you. I have the, I have the shirt actually here. So uh, I think you can see yeah. how the OSU Consistency, is. Consistency, discipline, so and accountability. Consistency, discipline, and accountability. And I think those things apply to life, you know, um, discipline, having the discipline. And, you know, I think for me as a, as a believer, it's really important to have these disciplines that I wake up every day and I spend some quiet time and meditation and getting my day started and it kind of gets my mind right. There's so many things that we deal with and your day can get so busy. And quite frankly, the last few weeks have been so busy, you know, after having time of not being busy at all for a while, now trying to pull off a tournament, trying to, to make some things happen in a new world. It's um, so busy. And if you just wake up and, you know, I'm always afraid to check my phone when I first wake up as to, you know, what's, what am I going to wake up to? But if you don't spend that kind of quiet time and, and get your mind right for the day, it's, it's very challenging. So I think having that discipline, having some structure, I, I really think that's important for our players. And I'm a very regimented kind of disciplined person um, by nature, just very organized. And so I like to have that. And then I think accountability, you know, I think it's really important that, um, you know, we all make mistakes. And um, as a Christian, we, we you know, we understand the value of grace. And I think as a coach, I think that's so important as well as, you know, these kids are going to make a lot of mistakes because they're in a time of transition in their life. And, you know, I don't need to rule with the hammer. I don't need to be the person that's looking to tell you what you did wrong. I, I want to be the person that's going to inspire you to do it right the next time. And I think that's, um, that's really important. You know, I think you don't learn a lot unless you make mistakes, you know, the value of learning comes in the growth and the growth mindset. And, you know, I had an assistant coach a couple of years ago and said, there's no, um, no growth in the comfort zone and there's no comfort in the growth zone. And I think that is so, they're so true. And so I think accountability to that. And just like, as you grow, you need to be accountable. You need to be understanding and not afraid to make mistakes. And then, you know, consistency is like the biggest thing we preach in our program. And I think, um, you know, from a, a believer's standpoint, I think it's really important for the players to see that consistency in you. That should be the one thing that you can provide. I think as players, that's the one thing they're looking for from us as coaches is consistency. And I think that's how we've been able to have um, consistent success in our program is because we, you know, I try to be consistent. doesn't mean that I accomplish it every day, but uh, I think it's really important that they, they can rely on that, that we have a structure in our program that's consistent. We're not, they're not, um, you know, unsure what's next. And I think that's really important. I was listening to a leadership podcast and, you know, it was talked about negative leadership. And one of the ones was unpredictable and that people are not able to really fully go all in with trust if the leadership is unpredictable. And so if you're not consistent, the, players are not going to understand like what, what's going to happen from day to day. If you don't have a plan, if you don't spend time, you know, um, I think sometimes you can get into a point as you do this longer where you can go into autopilot and you can just go there and I can run a two hour 
three-hour practice, like, no problem. But is that what's right for my players, you know? If I don't sit, sit down and think about what they need that day and how to structure it, and, yeah, that's, that's um, takes time to do that. Am I going to carve out that time every day to think about what each player needs, what the group needs? And then I think that's where that consistency comes from. As I'm consistent in my life, then I can demand the same things from them. Yeah, the intentionality of planning everything and For putting sure. it together. For that's sure. good. Um, what What do you do on a regular basis to get to know your players on a deeper level? So we try to have um, you know one on one time with the players. They come in and spend time with us. We develop um, areas of focus with our players. So the players have three to five things they're working on the semester, and that could be obviously their tennis development is a part of that, but it can be. Um, outside things could be fitness, could be nutrition, could be, you know, a lot of core values that they're trying to, to place upon. And then once we kind of have that in place, it, it allows for a lot of communication with the players. Um, you know, I'm a big communicator with the players. So I try to always look for ways to encourage them. So I try to at least message one player every evening and point out something good that I saw them do in the practice that day. And so I try to always be looking for, like, who do I think needs encouragement today? And it may be more than one player. Um, you know, I think especially coaching females, I think confidence is such an important thing to, to give them and to provide them to be confident young women. And I think that's something that, um, you know, they go through a lot of uh, situations in, in their life from 18 to 22 years old. And I think if I can be that person that instills confidence in them, so try to catch them doing positive things and not just on the tennis court, um, you know, maybe it's, I saw them do something to a teammate that maybe no one else saw or whatever, and try to make them aware. Like I saw how you picked your teammate up today. And I just want to say like, you know, I appreciate that. And, and it's noticed, you know, even though maybe you didn't do it for the fact that I'm going to notice, I noticed it or whatever. And so I think those things you, you gain a lot of, um, trust with the players and you gain, um, a deeper level of connection when you're intentionally looking for something. I try not to send any negative or corrective messages to the players. I would rather do that in person. But when they get a message from me and, you know, I had a girl the other night say like, I love getting these messages from you in the evening. Like, it's kind of like one of those things that I think many of them like look forward to, you know, if like they're going to get a message from me in the evening. And so then you got to keep it up and be consistent goes back to consistency. But I think that's, um, you know, that's part of it. Right now it's very challenging to spend a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with the players because of COVID and the restrictions and, you know, where they're allowed to be and not be and, and different things like that. So um, I think trying to use the, the mediums of social media and, um, you know, WhatsApp and different things like that, which they're used to and they're already on. So I know they're there and they're seeing it so I can shoot them a message and, and encourage them. I think that's important. That's good. I've been, I've been an assistant coach now for eight years. So my unbiased opinion is that a great head coach needs to be surrounded by good assistant coaches. For sure. What, what do you look for in an assistant coach? Oh, I think that's great. And you know, I think the one thing I tell assistant coaches or coaches is I think you need to learn to be a really good assistant coach to prepare for being a head coach, because then you know how you need to treat your assistant coach and you know what the assistant coach needs. And you know, I think it's a big step from going to the assistant coach, to the head coach, because there's a lot of things that a head coach deals with that you don't have time to communicate with anybody else. You just take it on. But you need that assistant coach that is loyal and that 
is uh, responsible and reliable because there's certain things that pull away your attention from the, the players. And I think the assistant coach, to me, the best assistant coaches are the servant leadership type assistant coaches that are willing to do the little things that maybe are not going to be noticed in the short term, but that make the big difference, you know, and that really keep things rolling. Um, you know, you can't keep the program rolling without somebody who's willing to do the little things. And I think that's, that servant leadership of an assistant coach is incredibly valuable. And, you know, I always try to look for um, an assistant coach that can compliment me. You know, I, I think I feel like I'm pretty aware of my strengths and weaknesses and then areas of, um, you know, the program that are going to need some attention that maybe I can't always get to or do a good job. If I'm going to do a really good job, I can't spread myself too thin. And so I really want an assistant coach that I can give certain things to and let them take ownership and I'm not going to micromanage. And I'm like, look, this is a time for you to learn to make decisions. How do we do this? You know, how to, this is your area of the budget and this is how much you have, you know, do it. You don't need to ask me for it. I'm going to obviously keep evaluating what you're doing. And at the end of the year, there is accountability to those decisions that you made and, and how it worked, but you need to also learn to how to make decisions and, and, you know, have the freedom to make decisions and, and make mistakes. And um, so, you know, I, I feel like I'm always learning as a head coach how to be better for my assistant coaches. I think that's always a challenge because, you know, they have needs as well. They need to be picked up and encouraged. They need to be, um, you know, a lot of the same things we try to do for our players. Sometimes we, we forget with the people that are around us that, hey, you know, I need to send them messages and say, really appreciate your energy at practice today, or I appreciate you doing this for me because it wouldn't have gotten done for the program otherwise. And so, um, you know, I think that's, uh, that's really important. That's great. Um, I switching gears a little bit. I follow you on Insta or social media and it looks like you work out almost every day and you're pretty proud of it because you're posting the stats and stuff. How, how important is that? to to your daily life or routine to get your mindset and everything yeah it's funny because i uh you know really why that has come about it's uh, i'm not like a I, i'm not a real person of like putting too many things for myself so i had to step outside of my comfort zone for you know for two reasons one is i think it's really important as coaches that we're willing to do things that we expect of our players it's really hard to be a leader if you're not willing to do things you know i can't ask someone to do something i'm not willing to do myself so at times, I think you have to show that you are willing to do those things. Um, and so, you know, it's not that I really, I, it's such a fine line of like putting something out there about yourself, but then also like, yeah. you know, a lot of times it's more of a joking nature with our players and maybe people from the outside are not going to like get it the same way as internally we do. But secondly is I have um, this drink called Celsius that I like. It's a, like an energy drink. It's a healthy energy. And so... I love it, but it's like, you know, 225, 230, uh, you know, a can. And so it's like, man, that was, so now all the coaches around me, they come to my office for one. And I'm like, so then I started like getting it shipped to my office from Amazon and all this. And then I'm talking to, to, to somebody in the tennis world and, and long story short, they were kind of wanting to get in that space and they wanted some social media ambassadors. And nice. I'm the farthest thing from a social media ambassador. <laughs> But somehow they said, okay, we will give you this free product, but you have to do so many Instagram posts a month for the free product. And so I'm like, 
this is so outside of my comfort zone, you know, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it, you know, even at my age. And, um, but it's amazing the feedback that I get from it. Like people are like, Hey, how can I get that? What flavor do you want? Like this and that. So around town now, I, I, you know, I've, I've dropped off some to different people. There's like just last week I posted something about all the different flavors and I got three or four people in town that said like, Oh, I want to try this flavor of that, you know, so I could just take them on and drop it off. And so it's kind of connected me to people in a different way, but, um, you know, I need to do a, a better job with that. Um, you know, with all that was, it, it's a part of me that just needs to stay disciplined yeah. and, and carving out time for myself has always been a challenge. You know, I, I'm really like, um, not, not as good at that as, as I need to be. So I'm trying to be more disciplined and, um, you know, my wife and I, um, she's had some, um, digestive health issues. And so we're working through that and, and so we got with Lauren Embry at, at Florida and she's got us on this uh, low fit plan of no sugar. And so we're trying to do some different things. And it's just, I love the challenge of discipline, whether it's fasting or whether it's working out or doing some things, try to discipline yourself in a way that's challenging. And I think I learned a lot about myself and what my limitations are or are not. And, um, you know, I think it's, you, you learn a lot about yourself, you become a better leader. That's great. Um, it inspires me to go work out every day. <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> I got to keep um, up with you guys. Um, you, you mentioned your wife. Um, we have a, a funny common story where we were in Spain recruiting together and your son had like an attack of appendicitis. Yeah, that's right. And, and she became my hero instantly. You know, she's like, honey, it's okay. I'll take care of it. Yeah. Um, you continue to recruit. It's fine. Um, but how, how do you balance coaching and family? Because that's, that's probably our hardest job. Is it is the hardest that. job. And, um, you know, that's that story, you know, we were all in, in Spain together and it's late at night and I'm getting a message that my son, you know, he had been at a, at a church camp and they're taking him to the hospital and didn't know what's going on. And, and my wife is like, basically, like, you know, you're in Spain and you just need to sleep. There's nothing you can do. And I wake up the next morning at like 630 and it turned out he had had appendicitis and had surgery. And by then he was like already, you know, in recovery and everything is good. And I'm like, oh man, what a, what a bad husband and father I am. But there's really nothing I can do. But to your point, I think it's amazing that, you know, you have to be a team. And uh, my wife is, is the ultimate assistant coach. And, you know, she is very involved with, our players and, and connecting with them. I think it's important for them to have kind of that um, female mentor voice. And, um, you know, I think it is a, it's a challenge to do that. But I think the important thing for me is I need to show that balance to my players uh, of that example, what it, what it looks like, what it looks like to be a good husband and father while still taking care of them. And, and there's times where I have to place a priority with my family if I'm going to, um, you know, be that kind of example to the players. And so they see our player, our, our family around. Our family is very visible to them. Um, I have a 17-year-old son now and uh, a 14-year-old daughter. And my son's very big with his tennis now. He's fully committed there. So sometimes he'll come up and he'll even jump in one of the fitness workouts with the girls or something like that. And, you know, they've kind of seen him now grow up and um, you know he just it's like he fits in I hope and um, I, I think anything I can do to include them I think it shows that it's a full comprehensive approach from our family 
And, um, you know, that's ultimately what I want. I want it to be a family atmosphere here. So we spend a lot of time, we try at least once a month to have a dinner at our house and we'll play games and do different things and just, you know, incorporate everybody together. That's great. Well, thanks for sharing that. I'm, I'm taking lots of notes. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my, we like to finish the, the conversation just asking how can we pray for you, um, your family or the team? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I mean, I think for me, the important thing is um, wisdom during this time. I think there's so many decisions that have to be made that are, we're, we're making for the first time. And there's no playbook for how to manage the situations that come up right now. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that are waiting for someone to make the wrong mistake and be very critical. Um, and so, you know, I want to be able to have wisdom to make the right decisions with the honest heart to treat people in the right fashion. And, you know, that really who I am, that my faith and my values are going to come through during this time, because that's what we need. You know, we need to love people more than ever before right now. And that's difficult because people are under so much stress and anxiety because there's so much uncertainty. And I think that that's where we can shine as believers the most is as loving people in the midst of uncertain situations. So I think just, just having the wisdom to know how to navigate those situations is the most important. And then having patience. I'm, I'm trying to always be a very patient person. I think you learn from, you know, the last six months that most mistakes are made when we overreact or when we react too quickly. And sometimes if you have patience, the answer becomes clear, but I think the wisdom is in the patience, in the waiting. The wisdom is in the waiting uh, to make the right decision. So um, I, I'm not great at those things, so that's why I'm asking for help in those areas. Sounds good. All right, let me let me close out in, pl- in prayer. Sure. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this conversation with Coach Young. Um, thank you for his uh, servant leadership at Oklahoma State. Um, thank you for allowing him to share his story here with us today. I pray that you will give him the wisdom that he's asking, Lord, that he will know what decisions to make or the timing of those decisions to make so that he can serve the most amount of people um, to, to your glory, Lord. And uh, pray that you give him patience as we all need it, um, that we'll, be, we'll wait for your timing to be right for things to happen, that we won't rush to decisions because that usually backfires, Lord. And uh, pray um, that you'll be with Oklahoma State Tennis, that – They'll have a great season coming up and uh, keeping players safe and uh, allow uh, Coach Young to make an impact in their lives on a daily basis. Amazing uh, interview. So thankful for Chris Young. I have so much respect for him. Um, and, and Gene, my, my biggest takeaway from this one was just the, the simple, encouraging text message that he would send to his players at night and how um, they, they started to look for that. And they were hoping, I wonder if Coach is going to send me the text tonight and how that created a positive change within his program. But what about you? What stood out to you? I, I did like the idea of the individual text every night to one player. Um, I think it's good to reinforce good behavior, even if it's not tennis behavior. Um, it's the intangibles. If you see her helping somebody or do something that is not maybe sport related, I think that even has more impact. Um, the other part that I liked was when he said, there's no comfort in the growth zone. 
and there's there's no growth in the comfort zone so good so good that's just impactful and you can that's something you can tell your players and they'll memorize it you know they'll remember that forever and i think he does a good job of finding little little phrases and little uh, sentences that he can give his players in order to make a point um, or make them visualize something that sometimes it's not visual you know um, so I really like that um, from him the whole conversation even having the little message from his own player I think that we surprised him with that and I think you could see in his face how how, how thankful he was for that because um, I think as coaches that's what it's all about it's preparing the players for life past college that's true and he was he was spot on with that that if coach is just wanting a daily uh, affirmation or, or positive that, that coaches don't get that daily there's a lot of grind a lot of tough conversations some hard hard moments but when you do receive that wow i impacted this player that, that means a lot so i'm really glad you found that quote from from that uh, uh player recruiting agent yeah that was great and coaches this is it for this episode and remember the mission field is right where you're at see you next week